Welcome, welcome, Tom. Oh. Tom Chair Expert. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, so you really choked our, over there. I really did. There's a lot going on. I'm so excited about our guests. But anyways, I'm Dan Shepard. Hi, Dan. You are Monica Mouse. I am. Amy Poehler's here today. I can't believe it. Old friend of mine. She graciously allowed me to start calling her Babers. That's what she <laughs> called her husband, and he, her, and then I got invited in. So sometimes you'll hear me refer to her as Babers, <laughs> and that's why. I feel very proud of that. Yeah, you should. I'm Special. jealous. Yeah. I want to be. You'll be a Babers. Okay. I can tell, because she loved you, and she even sent me a text afterwards saying, I love Monica. My and brain can't comprehend that. You don't that. want to comprehend that. <laughs> well, I don't need to tell you who Amy Poehler is, but I will anyway. She's an actress, a comedian, a writer, producer, and a director. Of course, Parks and Rec, SNL, Sisters, Mean Girls, Baby Mama, Wet Hot American Summer, the best host ever of the Golden Globes and the history of the Golden Globes. And she has a new movie coming out March 5th on Netflix that she directs and stars in called Moxie. Moxie's a really, really cool take on the sexist and toxic world of high school yeah. and told in a very irreverent, fun way, but confronting all that shit. It's so wonderful. Cool. In the episode, I think we say March 3rd. Well, this on the printout says March 5th. Okay, so if in the episode we say March 3rd and it's March wrong, 5th. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Add it to your list on March 3rd and then watch it on March 5th. Yes. Okay, please enjoy our favorite, Amy Poehler. We are supported by Best Fiends, Monica. I take Best Fiends with me everywhere. Is there anything you take with you everywhere? Actually, no. Chapstick? Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so it's my chapstick. Wow. Best Fiends. You know, it's a mobile puzzle game, so it's always with me on my phone, and it has thousands of levels, plus new content added all the time, so I never run out of entertainment. Do you play it on set when you're, like, waiting? I play it on set. I play it in airports. The best thing is, is you do not need cell service or Wi-Fi to play it. And... Now a lot of my other friends are playing Best Fiends, so we're always getting after each other to see who's at the highest level, which is currently Eric. Uh, of sadly. course it is. Yeah. I love this game so much. It's the perfect balance of fun and challenging, and I can't stop playing because I just want to keep upgrading to all the little friends so that they can reach their full potential, Monica. I'm like <laughs> a cheerleader. Oh. I want my little creatures to succeed. Oh, that's cute. Okay, I'm a little bit obsessed with it. I think you will be to download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. We are supported by DoorDash. We just ordered delicious smash burgers from DoorDash. Mm, so I was, good. I was recommended a really good place in Silver Lake by my friend Rob, and then we found it on DoorDash, and we got it, and <laughs> we ate it, and it was so, so thrilling. Also, we were supporting a restaurant in our local community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. So support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now right to your door, ordering so easy. You open up the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, so you can support your local go-tos anytime you'd like. For a limited time, Arm Cherries can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code ARMCHAIR. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ARMCHAIR. Don't forget, that's code ARMCHAIR for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. He's an armchair Oh, my 
wash. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> Hi guys. Hi Babers. Babers, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh Babers, I'm so happy to see you. Babers, how do we feel about complimenting women on their looks? It's it's a bad look, right? Is that gross? Are you asking about <laughs> me because I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> I watched your Seth Meyer and I was like Papers is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, so beautiful. Thanks, bud. It's been obvious I've been in love with you since we met, right? (laughs) (laughs) To all of us, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right back at you. I feel like how I look is a constant state of anxiety for me. (laughs) So I really appreciate when you tell me that I look good and I laugh really hard on this podcast when you're like, I would much rather someone tell me I look good than I'm funny. I'm like, me too. Or smart or good father. Like anything one should care. 100%. 100%. I don't know that I've ever had such a bonding feeling as listening to you on Terry Gross years ago promoting your book. And you said... You know, I got to a point in high school where I looked in the mirror and I said, look, this isn't going to be your thing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to run with these horses. I'm going to lose because I'm like you. I'm like you. Can I just say I apologize in advance because I'm so excited to be doing this right now. I'm such a fan. I kind of feel like I've won a fan contest. I'm going to do a lot of this with both of you, which is I'm going to be like, I'm like you. I'm like you. But I like to do things I'm good at. Yeah. So in the beauty race, I very... Thankfully, and early on, realized I'm not going to win here. I'm not going to get a lot of wins here. (laughs) And so it felt good to pretend like I was self-selecting out. Yeah. But also the beauty race has changed. When you were in high school, it was one thing and now it's not. So you are winning the beauty race in many ways. Well, I wonder if winning it is like not racing. Exactly. I think that might be the new way to win it. Yes. But, you know, Monica, it's this constant, boring, disappointing thing that we just keep being like, I can't believe I'm still being so rough in my own mind about my face. Like, this is going to be my face. When are we going to become <laughs> friends? Like, when is it going to happen? And the answer is, I don't know, right before you die, the minute before you die. <laughs> <laughs> I never feel that way. I just, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I wasn't as bad looking as I thought. Like, the only joy I get is I'll go, like, I'll see a picture of me when I was 21. I was like, I thought I had a terrible body. This is a fine physique for a person to have. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's that great moment in Schitt's Creek when Catherine O'Hara is telling that character to take as many new pictures of herself (laughs) as she can at a certain age because you're going to really, really want them. And it's very true. Yeah, no matter how bad you think you look, in 40 years, you're going to love how you looked. You're going to love the way you look in 40 years. I guarantee it. I was just going to say what commercial. <laughs> you're love the way you look. I guarantee it. Well, it's fun to hear you already say this is how we're similar. Because the whole time I was reading about you this morning, which is, again, a bizarre thing to do for someone you've known for 15 years. But I kept thinking, how do I pinpoint this thing that, that Babers and I both have And I was curious what thing you would say. So one thing that I like about you and I is we have a class warfare struggle. 100%. (laughs) That's why I love listening to your podcast is I'm obsessed with class. I apply it to a lot of places. I mean, the work I'm doing now, honestly, is to like take a step back and look and be like, I take such pride in 
how I got my stuff my way. And now I'm taking a really hard look at like, do you want to just be real honest about the doors that were open for you, the opportunities you had, like all that stuff. It's really hard because I take such pride. You know what was helpful for me is I was doing a press junket with someone for a very long time and they were telling their story, which is virtually the same as mine. You know, like modest background, single mom, all this stuff. And at a certain point I was just like, and no one gives a shit. I don't give a shit. Why on earth does anyone care about my story I'm telling? Like, you know. <laughs> I know. Also, the story that you're telling is like, is it true? Is it really true? It can't be. <laughs> I know. The needle keeps going to the same groove for me over and over again. I went to my parents were like, you know, you always describe us as like lower, lower middle class. I would say we were middle class. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I'm sweetening. Every time I tell a story, well, you guys talked about this, about memory on, on your show, but like, I'm fascinated with the Malcolm Gladwell stuff. The idea that every time you take down a story from the shelf, you corrupt it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have a brother. Like, how often are you talking to your brother? And you're like, no, we weren't even in that house yet. I think it was either what I was listening to you guys talk about or when I listened to Revisionist History Exactly that, where we were together on September 11th, my brother and I, we were living together. And I went back to him and said, remember, we were breaking down that day and we had totally, our stories had converged. And I was reminded of that experiment done the day after September 11th, where everybody wrote down their memories and then kept checking in yeah. with those memories. Anyway, like your actual personal origin story is one you take down over and over and over again out, off the shelf to tell people and you correct yeah. it every time. And of course, you would imagine if ever there were a day you guys would both remember, you would have taken the time to commit it to memory. It would be 9-11. And even that isn't bulletproof. No. In fact, I think it's more likely to be corrupted because it's so heightened. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have this class warfare chip on our shoulder. And then I, too, similarly, my mom will s say... I mean, yeah, we did live in those welfare apartments, but it was very brief, you know, and then we had a pretty good house by the time you were in third grade. And I'm like, yeah, we did. And then it got nicer. And then, <laughs> But I don't like that part of the story. <laughs> well, I think that I, like you, I like to identify as an outsider mm -hmm. who worked their way in. I take great pride yeah. in that. And that's part of going back to what we were even talking about in the very beginning, which is like, you know what? I don't care how I look. Like, it's all about, like, self-selecting out so that you can't get rejected first. Uh, yes. Very, like, you know. And then, yeah, that's what I've been working on is, like, can I take a harder look at the opportunities I was given, the invitations I had, the time in which I came up in this business is so different. I'm, so, I don't know. Everything feels like it's scrambled eggs a little bit in a good way. I agree. For me, I think that light, started penetrating me in terms of white privilege was a term mm -hmm. I fucking despised when I first heard it. Cause again, it's so against my narrative. I didn't have a shot in hell. No one could have done what I did, you know? And then right, recognizing right. like, oh no, I would have had a 20 year prison sentence at some point with the many times I had cocaine on my possession. Like, mm -hmm. oh no, that isn't the reality. It was different for you. And so I think that was the crack where I was mm -hmm. like, and I'm tall. There's data that says tall people get listened to more. You know, I don't know that's in the mix. I love tall people. I hate short people. Monica is the only short person I like. I despise short people. They're disgusting. <laughs> but 100%, I mean, I feel like starting comedy when I did, 
so much of a skill set that you needed was to be able to hang with the guys. I took great pride in it. It felt like an accomplishment. And so I have the ability to identify with men easily and fast. And I love being around women and identifying with, but I finally, I'm like, oh, I've had a lot of practice being in, in rooms where I've had to figure out very quickly how to fit in or whatever and yeah. navigate. And it's a skill. Like you just learn a skill just like anything else. And you're like, this is interesting. This is my forehand. Uh -huh. Okay. Do I need to hit the ball with it as much? Should I work on my backhand? So, I don't know. I'm just digging this time. I was just saying to a friend of mine the other day, there should be another term besides like midlife crisis. Like everyone likes to say she, he's having midlife crisis. I'd love to rebrand some mm. version of that where you start having like a, I don't know, a midlife discovery or breakthrough. Renaissance. Ooh, renaissance. renaissance. Midlife renaissance. Mm -hmm. Midlife sure. renaissance. I do think, though, women, especially in comedy, I have found, love that sense of, like, I'm just one of the guys. And yeah. it's so patriarchal because all you're saying is, like, I'm as good as the yeah. guys. I mean, I keep relearning that over and over again. You know, when I was coming up and like improvising on stage, it was a big deal to make sure that you were not sexualized yes. on stage, you know, and that was self-imposed. It wasn't like anybody was telling me that nobody was wagging their finger at me, but I was like really making sure that my body was hidden under Hoodies. tons of, you know, mock <laughs> turtlenecks, <laughs> whatever I was wearing at the time, that that was like a successful way. At yes. Improv Olympic, you famously would improv in a North Face gear. That's right. Head to toe sleeping bag. <laughs> Head to toe sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that too on improv stages. Like, you know, by the time I came along, there was this whole indie improv scene that was huge. We'd have shows and we'd have to sit through many, many shows to wait for our turn. And you would, you judge people's outfits, the women, of course, the girls. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, she's wearing a skirt. Yeah. Like you should not be wearing a skirt. You should be bun in your yeah. hair, zip up hoodie, Carhartt tennis overalls. shoes. <laughs> yep. I mean, I remember when I was producing Broad City, they had such funny stuff about living in New York City and walking around and being sexualized for no reason. And I remember being very like maternal, like, you know, if this outfit is uncomfortable <laughs> for you. And they were like, well, I picked it. Like, old lady, what's your problem? It's awesome. There are so many layers to it. Because like, I'll yes. watch Chelsea Handler's Instagram account and she'll show her boobs. And then the, the, to watch the comments unfurl, it's like, it's feminist. No, it's anti-feminist. And it's like, oh my God, the scrutiny that, that's just on women in general. Like I could be out, it's the worst that oh. would, I would be accused of is just trying to show off my body. I, it wouldn't be a black spot on male progress. You're not taking men back 15 <laughs> no, years. No, I'm not a representative of yeah, anything. Yeah, and right. every woman is a representative of women. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and every project has to be speaking on behalf of all women and Every failure is a failure that all uh -huh. women feel. I'm always fighting for us to just enjoy mediocrity, like the mediocre yeah. middle, instead of everything having to be so loaded. And so I'm really trying to deliver that for you guys today. <laughs> you know, you've opened my eyes to like a, a couple of really interesting concepts that just really stuck with me. And you've probably heard me repeat it on here three dozen times, which is you are the first person that said to me, you know, I'll be doing a press line with Will. I'm right next to him. I can hear what they're asking him. We have the same two children. We have the same fucking career. 
And every goddamn question I'm getting is how do you juggle this? I.e. implication, you're a shitty mom. Yeah. <laughs> and no one's worried about how Will's doing. People get really into the question, where are your kids? I've been asked that so many times. <laughs> like, I've been asked a couple of times during press where people be like, it's not even how are you doing it? It's so where are they? And I'm like, right now? <laughs> yeah. And what they really want to say is, where did you leave them? Yeah. Who's taking care of them? Where yeah. did you leave them? Where did you desert yeah. them? But I could talk about working mother stuff and you. I know you guys know it and you experience it with Kristen, like the amount of conversations that I have when I'm talking about work, about my kids is interesting. And the, and the questions asked, and also just the, even during this pandemic, every mom is, and dads, and dads, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but moms are working from home. They're teaching their kids. It's just like, wow, we found yet another way to make them feel bad. Yes. Is like they're not teaching their kids <laughs> well yes. enough. So there are a lot of questions are like, how are you doing it? Where are they? How are they doing? It? And really, it's always like, how are you doing? How are, are you doing a bad job? Is sometimes how you hear it. I don't know. Yeah, so you did that one. And then there was another one. I don't know if you'll like this one, but. I'm going to start by saying when I interviewed Common, I went and listened to his podcast and he had interviewed Tiffany Haddish, who he's with, which was its own funny thing because I had done that and it went terribly. And I was delighted to hear it had gone shitty for him, too. But it started by him saying, do you remember when we first met at this party and he said to her, like, yo, can you believe your billboards up here and your things there and you're on this hit thing and you like, can you even believe this? And she said, I can. Can you? <gasps> oh, And wow. I was like, oh, get it, girl. I remember hearing that from Polar while we were promoting Baby Mama. Your face was all over every taxi cab. There were billboards and you had some friends in and some of them just couldn't comprehend it. And they kept asking you if you could comprehend it. And you're like, yeah, I've been working at this for fucking 20 years. Yes, this is the result of that. Yeah, you know, with some age and wisdom, realize it. What they really were saying is like, I haven't seen you in a long time and I know this version of you. But again, not only with women, but often with women, there's this expectation to come at all of your hard work and success with a real sense of humility. Mm. Yeah. Like you, I have a little bit of oppositional defiance disorder, <laughs> a little way, you know, like if you're at a concert and someone's like, go this way, I'm like, well, what about that way? I don't like being told where to go, where to do. <laughs> so I, I get kind of cocky in the moment and it can be a little confusing. You know, I remember I, we were at Cannes. Or con. I'm I sorry, think it's I can. I think Again, it's I would hate someone who said can. I think it's Because like, they oh, know. And they've probably been and they're probably from Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I know. So I want I want you to know that I don't know. It. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> but I do know. I do know. This is like girls can. having to act dumb in class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're perpetuating that. <laughs> but this is a this is a higher calling. I know, this you're right. Class warfare. Oh, We're in the movement. So I'm at this like dumb French thing and hoity-toity <laughs> hoity-toity thing and uh, we were there for I think it was Inside Out which was so awesome to be part of that movie but I felt no claim in it but there was some uh, reporter or something that was like can you believe that you're in 
I think he was saying something like, can you believe it? You know, and that was the gist. And I remember just being like, I can. Yes, I've been I've been doing a lot of work in animated films for a long time. And I'd like to think that Pete Doctor saw my work and thought I would be the right fit. And like, yes, this makes sense to me. And everyone was like, <laughs> and there's just always a little bit of an expectation that you're supposed to be like, thank you so much for the invite yeah. to the party. And who am I yeah. to even be here? You know. It's just like the feminism thing, though, because there's like nine layers. So you're right. A, I think it's getting asked disproportionately to people of color, women, blah, blah, blah. No one's surprised I got invited yep. to the party. You know, they're not saying that to me like they're saying it to you or Kristen or Monica, whoever else. And what is also true is you and I, or I'll speak for myself, I assume the absolute worst. So if you ask a question, I go to what, is, what could be the worst <laughs> fucking subtext of this? So can you believe that? To, I hear you don't deserve this. That's literally what I hear. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They might as well just said that. I would have been just as offended. You don't deserve this. By the way, I don't even think I deserve it, yet I'll defend that I deserve it. A hardcore, you'll double down. <laughs> and then I go home and I don't think I deserve it, which is why I'm so fucking defensive <laughs> about it to begin with. Because no uh -huh. one deserves it. <laughs> No kidding. I mean, yeah, exactly. Put the word deserves in quotes. I know I'm trying to figure out every time I get activated, as they say in therapy, every time I get activated, I'm like, ooh, ooh, what is this about? And I know you guys talk about this a lot on the show, which is like basically the things that work for you and get you to a certain place. Like suddenly you're like, are these the things I want to hold on to? Like, yeah, that chutzpah, if you will, got me so far. Like really, really far. And now I'm trying to like unravel a little bit and be like, okay. So when I get defensive that way, like, do I want to, I don't know, sit in the uncomfortableness of it and not do my usual yeah, thing? Yeah. It's counterattack. Counterattack and quick thinking and self advocating, all that stuff is the stuff that I feel like I can do well. But now I'm like, is that working mm. for me? You know, there's nothing I would rather do less than in real time say like, wow, that really hurt my feelings. Like I would rather mm. pull my pants down than do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker is never going to know that they hurt my feelings. I'm, they're never going to know. Yes. I won't give them the pleasure. Mm -mm. And it's just fun to think about what would be the thing that gives you the, the willies like that you'd have to try to do. That's it. It's embarrassingly hard because I'm sure every time you've done it, it and every time I've done it, I mean, literally almost 100%, that is met with like your dream reaction. Totally. And I like to think I'm a vulnerable person and I'm able to do all that work you're talking about in my own mind. It's just in the yes. actual moment. I can take it away and I can be like, they meant this and I meant this and I can, I, I'm what you call like self-regulator. Like if there's a problem, I'm like, go into my ship close the thing, yeah. I'll be back, come out. And you're like, could you maybe work it out in real time with the person? Like, I mean, I've, I've heard you guys do that on the show. It's fascinating because it's like any kind of couples therapy, basically, which is like in real time, can you be, you know, interdependent? Can you stand being in front of the person that you're yeah. working it out with? And it's hard work. Yeah, I too do that. And by the way, I find that that's great progress for me to get in a fight with Belle and go, you know what? I'm really emotional about this cabinet door thing. I'm going to go in the bedroom and figure it out. And that's been a great bit of progress. But to what you just said, mm -hmm. also in reality, 
I'm only comfortable if I can go figure it all out. I come out exactly. and I tell you everything I figured out. I now understand it completely. It's it, controlling. Hey, yes. <laughs> I'm the same way. Control is wonderful. <laughs> it, control is the best. <laughs> it's, it's the dream state. It's the dream state of it's being. It's the dream. And it's like, I already felt it. I already know. I know what you're going to say. I know, what I, I know what I did wrong. I figured it out. And I got a lesson to teach you. So while I was doing this work on myself, I figured something out about you that could be helpful. <laughs> it's almost a detriment to be smart in that way, which you both are. And I like to think I am too. You're very. Which is like, yeah, you're thinking on all these levels and you're figuring it all out. And you then arrive at the argument with everything laid out. You're the prosecutor of the argument. And then you get flustered because... That person is a human who's going to say something you didn't expect, and then you get thrown mm -hmm. off, and then you have to go away again, and it blows up. You know, it's like there's no resolution. Well, you've excluded yeah. the person from the whole process, really. Yeah. Yeah. And you've avoided the feeling. Yes. Yeah. It's like anything to avoid yeah. the feeling. Oh. I mean, it happens all the time in therapy where it's like, so maybe we should just sit with this feeling. And I'm like, oh, sit with the uh -huh. feeling. Like, I'd rather climb a mountain. Yeah. yeah. Then sit with the feeling. I've yet to do it, but all that is, as I understand it, heading towards Buddhism. I think that's what Buddhism is, right? It's just like you have a constant fluctuation of emotions. You just experience them. You don't try to control them. You don't try to make them more heightened. You don't try to make them less. And it's actually the craving of a different state, which is the discomfort. Mm. And I feel like all of this yeah. therapy and all the AA stuff ultimately is probably heading towards there. Well, one day I'll read a book maybe about Buddhism. I don't know. Are you into it? Super into it. Super into Buddhism. <laughs> this sounds so funny. <laughs> but this is why the pandemic is so fascinating because for control freaks, when it started, I kind of felt like that feeling like I had to go up on stage and give a speech and somebody like put acid in my coffee or something like I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I have so much to do. Yes. I don't want to trip. I don't want to trip right now. I'm not in the mood. I, <laughs> I have to go give this speech. And so the first couple of weeks, it felt like I was tripping and having to do really like adulty things, you know, mm -hmm. give a speech, take care of my kids, all this stuff. Then I looked around, I got really resentful of the people that were having like good trips. Like they were like, you know what I'm doing? I'm just gardening. And I was like, fuck you. Like, you know, and then I was like, well, this trip's going to take a while. I might as well get into it. And I got into it, sat down, tried to let go. And then I was like, okay, what am I supposed to learn while I'm here? Like I better figure it out. Let go of some of this control. Like what can I do? And so now in that space where it's like, the trip is lasting a little longer than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very strong blotter acid. <laughs> Does anybody have Xanax? Nobody has yeah. it. Okay. Just, I'm drinking a couple Heinekens and like smoking pot and trying to lie down. Anyway, and so to your point, the sitting in the present moment that you're speaking of, that is, oh, it's like life's work. And this is making us do that over and over and over again. It's fascinating. Yeah, I learned how much I rely on things in the future. So mm -hmm, my calendar generally has something coming up. And if I don't have that, this escape I have, <laughs> it's scary. I'm like, I want to sit here indefinitely. Okay, no movement. How will I distract myself? <laughs> Exactly. I'm in my office right now. We had our whole calendar for this year, all of our production stuff that we're doing. And, you know, we had two shows that 
paused in New York that we're getting ready to shoot and like all this stuff that we're shooting press. It's all up on this board in different colored tape and all this stuff. And then at some point in May, I just came in and I took four pieces of paper and I just wrote, don't worry about it. And I just taped it over the board because it was like, it's gone, it's totally gone. And look, I realized that people's versions of that are a lot bleaker than what I'm describing. Oh yeah. But the loss of control and the lessons therein are like, you know, you don't get that in a lifetime unless usually unless you're ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. This it's is true. crazy. Like I was even trying to figure out is there a neutral way I could talk about this time? So I was thinking like maybe I should call it the pause. Like maybe that's what I should call it. Because mm. it does feel like everything is truly paused. I think it's a little bit too like the nude photos when you're younger in that <laughs> I had some awareness that I know I'm going to look back on this and go like, holy shit, that was a crazy yeah. once in 10 generations gift. And what a fucking waste that I didn't enjoy it. Like, you know, you'll hear people on that were on Seinfeld going like, yeah, I just wish I had realized I was on Seinfeld. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of, I have that feeling a lot like in retrospect. So yeah, I, I kind of yeah. had that thought of like, I better enjoy this because it's, it's so rare and I bet I'll miss it. I just want to, echo what you're saying is it's just very hard to not know what comes next even though we don't but for people like here i go for people like you and me it's really hard (laughs) twins identical twins i'm the twin that didn't get any nutrients like i was born really little no 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 you got all the brains (laughs) you got everything my therapist at the very beginning of the pandemic said something really interesting she was like the pandemic makes us feel like we're out of control, but really what it's doing is highlighting that we never had control. Mm. And that's Mm -hmm. really hard for our brains Mm -hmm. to comprehend. I think about this story a friend told me a long time ago, which is a a girl, and again, this could be a made up story, but they told me a story about a girl who was walking in like the Swiss Alps or something with her friend and she's walking in the snow and it's nighttime and they're at a ski resort and they're talking and chatting. It's really dark and she hears her friend go, that's it. And then 20 seconds later, a big smash. And then 10 seconds later, another smash. And they had been walking on the side of a mountain for 20 minutes. And she ste- this girl stepped wrong and fell off the mountain. Mm, mm. She's, again, this could be like some children's Terrible. book that people are pretending <laughs> actually happened. I could be so, if there's any listeners that are like, yeah, I just read that to my kids today. But... <laughs> I think about it all the time is that we are like always walking. Yeah. You know, if we knew how little control we had, we would not be able to handle it. I know I pretend I have a ton. Well, conversely, if you were the girl on this walk and this really happened, also contact us so we can substantiate this. Yeah. <laughs> we're assuming the worst. We're assuming yeah, the worst. Maybe it was a small drop. <laughs> and Dax and I would just love to maybe take a meeting and I don't know, make a movie out of your story and just Yeah, probably maybe, we'll uh, probably go the streaming route now, just given the business. Yeah, but limited yeah. series, like something fun for Super HBO limited. Max. <laughs> Oh, my God. From now on, we should refer to shows that we don't sell as super limited series. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by... Oh, it's back. 
ZipRecruiter. Now listen, finding great candidates to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other services may overwhelm you with applications to sift through, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for, the needle in the haystack. In fact, ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through their site within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-X. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DAX. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are supported by Super Coffee. Monica, how many Super Coffee cans do you see around the house at all times? Many. We've gotten Kristen completely addicted to Super Coffee. She, she loves it. She loves it. I love it. It's healthy, it's delicious, and it's a very good alternative to sugary coffee drinks like Frappuccinos and other iced coffee and energy drinks. It's made to power your entire day with its unique combination of caffeine, healthy fats, mm, I love healthy fats, and protein to provide a sustained jitter-free energy with no crash. It's it's also keto-friendly, lactose-free, and gluten-free. Super Coffee's bestseller is their bottled coffees, but they also make tasty canned espressos, coffee creamers, and ground coffee. I've tried them all, and my favorite out of the many flavors, mocha, white chocolate, peppermint, vanilla, caramel, coconut mocha, hazelnut, and black triple shot. I like black. Simple for me. Super Coffee has a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back, no questions asked. We've worked out an exclusive deal for Arm Cherries. Receive 25% off your entire first purchase. I recommend one of their best-selling variety packs or bundles. This is a great way to try all of their delicious flavors. To claim this deal, go to drinksupercoffee.com slash DAX or use code DAX at checkout. That's drinksupercoffee.com slash DAX. Super Coffee is also available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. Can I talk about how fun it was to make baby mama with you? Mm. Because mm. I have such fond memories of you and I doing that together. I really Me like it. When I think back on it, it's nothing but like fun, laughs, goof arounds. Yes. So here's a couple of compliments I'm going to force you to listen to. And I've said them on here and you've probably heard them, which is one of my favorite things about you. And a thing that I most admire about you is that you have always gone out of your way to bring everyone up with you. And I have not done that. Like I have been so fearful so many times. Like, I don't even know if I'm here. I don't think I have the leverage to bring anyone else. And it's shameful. There are times that I could have done it and I haven't. And you've always, always done it. It's so impressive and admirable. And then I ended up being one of those people. So we met because Will and I were doing Let's Go to Prison. I liked you immediately. I remember you visiting in Illinois. And I was like, I felt like Bill Murray was there because I was legitimately, <laughs> legitimately, you were my favorite SNL cast member of like a decade. I just was obsessed with how great you were in your take. And so I was a legit fan when you showed up. It was so exciting. Then we got along really well. And then... I had a few stinkers in a row, that movie included. I don't think anyone's dying to put me in a movie and you really went to bat and you're like, you guys are hiring Dax to play Carl Loomis and that'll be that. We'll see you guys at the table, Reed. And we got to do that. 
oh, did I have to go to talking about corrupting our story? Did I have to go to bat for you? I, I don't imagine I did. I just want to pause okay. you there to okay, say, great. I wonder if, I mean, I, I was 100% excited about it. And I like, and like Kristen, I have no memory. So <laughs> you're the memory keeper. And by the way, congratulations, because then you get to tell the story. But, <laughs> but I remember everyone being excited. I'm just going to say that. Like you, okay. It was not any kind of convincing that had to be done. And I could be dead wrong and that would be even better. But yeah, I was remember hearing from my agent like, I don't know, this person maybe doesn't blah, blah, blah. And I knew you oh. were in my corner. So I felt, and then there was a table read. Once we had the table read, I think everyone was pretty pumped because we had such a seamless dirtbag rapport. <laughs> <laughs> this really does fit in with your narrative though. Like no one believed in me, but I proved myself. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> the other side of that would be for me, which is like, and I didn't even want it. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that's the part that I told this story in my book that I wrote, but I can remember like when I was really nervous, I'd get really like when I would audition for stuff that I really wanted, I just get like really sleepy, really mm. apathetic. And mm. I can remember auditioning for the Coen brothers and, you know, I love them and of course yeah. want to be in their movie. And I was just doing badly. And I was just like, I just got an attitude like, huh? Like, I just remember being like, I guess I don't really want this. And I I'm like, I'm sure they have no memory of this. But I remember there, them kind of being like, oh, are you mad at us? Now? <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the audition. Oh, well, so by bad. the way, it's a very potent strategy in high school when you don't love your yeah. looks. Yeah, you're kind of sure. nagging. You were nagging the Coen brothers. I'm, I'm actually shocked it didn't work. Oh, I know what you mean. Because it works a lot. It works. Yes. A lot. That's what sucks. Yeah. It bears fruit. I think I just wasn't that good enough to even have that work <laughs> work in my favor. I just I was not nailing it. Okay, back to baby okay. mama though. What a fucking blast. What a, bla what a blast. Probably more of a blast for me because I was only working two or three days a week. You had written it with Tina and you were you guys were very, very busy. But I got to come in and just party with you two. And again, sincerely just admired the fuck out of both of you and just felt the whole time I was there like, I am so lucky to be at this party. I was very present, which is rare for me. I was not thinking, oh, this may lead to X, Y, or Z. I was just there enjoying getting to act with you. And my God, did we have fun. I can remember too, we were setting up the shot of you peeling out. And you know, it was important to you that you do the car stunt, which at the time, <laughs> which, which at the time I did, you know, I had no sense of, I know nothing about cars. So sure, sure. you're a New Yorker, why would you? But I remember that, and then when you did it, I was like, wow. Okay, it was, I was impressed, Dax. <laughs> but also I remember that being a whole, <laughs> I love that being a whole thing. <laughs> you know what I remember from that thing? Cause that was the, my girl does not rocks part. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I remember after a take, I came back up to like reset with you and you go, um, well, you can go to a hundred pretty quick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what an awful thing to say. No, I That's took it so as such a compliment. Okay, I, it is a compliment. Like, I, I think you were telling me I was like, good. I, I remember that fondly. Here we go with the story. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I always say with to directors, like, I'm like, feel free to... Tell me, you know, I can be like a radio that's on too loud when you turn your car on. Like, because I'm always amazed at people who can stay still. Oh, isn't it the greatest challenge? Funny enough, I was watching the trailer for your movie that you just directed. And literally my first thought was, wow, Babers is so calm and still in this. Babers, thank you for saying that. I worked so hard because I was like, stop moving. Yeah. Stop yeah. moving. Stop moving. And 
you know, if you're going to get real deep, it's like, just stop performing. Just, mm -hmm. just stop because I mean, I don't even know how much I move around and it's deep to be quiet and still to just take up the space, yeah. you know, yeah. it's so hard. And for some people, it's very easy. For me, it is, I'm not enough unless I've yes. got the volume cranked. There's no way I'm enough. You can't point a camera at me and have me just sit there for five minutes and have anyone interested. It's like just a lack of esteem, I guess. It is. And it's also like, I think it's also just like straight up physical practice. Like, could mm. how long can you tolerate? Like, can you go 10 more seconds every day? before you answer back, you know, again, what's the stuff that I take pride in that I'm like quick witted and I can be fast and I make fast decisions and I, people can depend on my fastness. And then it's like, huh? So what if I took 10 more seconds, you know, a big revelation for me in my forties, uh, most people know this, but I would say to men and women alike is, you know, when somebody asks you something in real time, you can just say, let me think about it. Mm. And that, let me think about it can just create the moment where you actually get to think about it. That is a learned behavior. Yeah. Yeah, that's his weakness to me. I'm so mm. weak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I wouldn't immediately know. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's shameful. <laughs> but do you apply that to work, like directing? Because I think that I'm learning that really confident people can sit in, you know, if someone says, what should we do with the scene this way, this way? And they can sit and go, huh. And then we can all like just be okay with yeah. that director thinking in real time and me and like watching them weigh what you asked. Like that is to me like, oh, wow, that is really powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, not exploiting it. Not like not all just <laughs> us all like, sitting around chair, watching. Please. <laughs> I'm going to think about this. I mean, I, I remember I was doing SNL one time and, you know, you're blocking the scenes. You'll have these like in-between moments with the hosts that are just these small talky moments. Christopher Walken, undoubtedly probably one of the most eccentric people ever, right? Sure. We were doing some scene and we had to sit down at a table and wait for them to figure out some camera thing. And he just sat in complete silence. Oh, wow. wow. And I was didn't want to bother him. So <laughs> I, then I started being like, wow, how long is this going to go? How long are we going to? And, you know, it was like a, a Pixar journey in my head of how much I wanted to talk and not talk and sweating and then not sweating and then getting mad at him and then thinking he was amazing. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like there's, there's Idolizing so him, hating him, yeah. vilifying him, worshiping him. <laughs> I don't think the same journey was going on in his head, but. No. When I get into an elevator with four <laughs> strangers, my very first thought is, well, this is on me. I'm going to have oh, to yeah. be the one in this elevator that's going to make everyone feel okay. This is so awkward, and it's on me, and here we go. Oh, Dax, <laughs> I so feel you, because I just, I love to entertain. I take great pride in people feeling good and secure and safe. I like doing the things, like Monica, I really relate to this idea that I hear sometimes from me, which is like, you know, I take pride in doing a job well, and I'm really drawn to people who do their jobs well. I don't care what you do. If you do it well, like you're attractive to me. I, yeah. You know, that's like doing a job well. 
I take great pride in it and I respect people that do. But it just then carries over into all this other like stuff that's so the elevator is <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Why do you have to be the person on the elevator that's talking to everybody? <laughs> that is what has led to social anxiety with me being recognizable because in an interaction, I think you signed up for an experience and I gotta give it to you right now. You know, I don't know that I can always give you that experience and I feel the weight of that expectation, which by the way, they probably don't even have, it's, it's all me. But I'm like, oh, I, I just don't know if I can deliver all the time. Well, try being Leslie No, And people oh. are like, yes, you're, and I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, I can't talk right now. And their faces, <laughs> <laughs> their faces just go, they're just so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like maybe we're right. They are expecting a pretty good show. <laughs> yeah, and you know. <laughs> and they deserve it. And also, you know, you you get this thing a lot, you know, if Angelina Jolie's in the room, it's not like people go up to Angelina Jolie. They go, yeah. oh my God, Angelina Jolie is here. Oh my God, oh my God. But when you're a person that people have in your living rooms, they feel like they know you, they go up to you and they're like, you, do the thing, do the thing that you, yeah. you know, and. Rick, 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 Rick. <laughs> totally so you know because i don't take pictures with anybody right 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 i'm totally fine with that yeah, uh, yeah. but it was a very very hard process oh, to get there yeah, yeah because i wanted people to feel good who am i to say no to this yeah all this stuff a little bit of the boston thing oh you're too good to Oh, 100. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. everyone's like, oh, look at you. Good for you. Like, oh, <laughs> must be you, nice. Good for you. Okay. All right. All right, Miss Fancy. No, no. No, do your thing. But, you know, go back to Hollywood. Like, forget about us. <laughs> Every sentence is one away from go fuck yourself. You're just wondering, how, how far will it go before I hear it? <laughs> Always. I mean, <laughs> you know, Monica, when you talk about Goodwill Hunting, like, I can't even, I can't, I'm such a self-hating Boston. I can't even watch Goodwill Hunting. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh no. I love it. I love it. I'm just saying that Boston thing is so, I grew up with it. So I'm just yeah. like, oh, <laughs> you know, you'll see somebody from home and you'll be like, hey, how are you doing? And they'll be like, oh, what? You want to talk about me? Uh, 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 no, let's, let's talk about you. And I'm like, no, let's talk about you. <laughs> Wait, what was my point? Anyway, the pictures, but, the pictures. oh, you know, what kind of sealed the deal in a nice way. Like where I was like, oh, I can connect is I would get kind of nervous physically when people want to put their arm around me. Mm -hmm, yeah, because mm -hmm. it just started getting a little and it wasn't nobody was for the most part. Nobody's trying to be weird. And the physicalness like started getting me in my head, like where mm. I didn't know where to stand and they didn't know where to stand. Mm. And that became like a way, weirdly, instead of <laughs> advocating for like actually boundaries and what I wanted, that became a way in to be like, in my head to be like, yeah. I don't, I don't really, pictures make me kind of uncomfortable because they do, they do. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. There's nothing I hate more than having my photograph taken. It, it, it I, is. Me I too. It's my worst nightmare. stand it. I was doing this show with Ashton a couple years ago and he said, hey, they asked if we could like, if I could tweet a picture or whatever it was to announce your arrival on the show. We just grab a selfie and I'm like, yeah. He holds the <laughs> fucking camera at his kneecap and blasts. Cause he can. Yes, cause he has the freedom to hold a camera wherever he yeah. wants to. And I was watching him cue up this photo. I was like, Kutch, no way. You gotta be like eight inches above my nose. Yeah, yeah. I, I, people like him do not understand. They don't no, understand. They, they never don't. will. They, they never will. They, they, they really won't. They really won't because no. he looks like a like a 
Like a space deer, like a gorgeous deer. <laughs> a, a, a space sex deer. A sex deer. I mean, I remember when J-Lo hosted SNL and the camera just kept moving in, mm. Oh, mm. moving in. And mm. I was like, prettier and prettier. I was like, who can manage it? That is amazing, amazing. <laughs> I always say to photographers, I'm like, eyes and a mouth. That's all I want to see. I want to be blown out. And I just want to see two eyes and a mouth. And everything else is like, I mean, and also people think like, well, you don't, you don't want to look good, right? I mean, you, oh. you, you know, it happens all the time where you go to a photo shoot and they're like, sure. so we're going to do this thing where you have barbecue sauce all over your face. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind trying to look good. And they're like, why? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Why start oh, now? Goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh. Okay. So building on the compliments you're not gonna like to hear. <laughs> you're gonna hate this, but I'm gonna say it. You've taken on a role that's much different than just your comedian. I think you represent so many things for feminism that are incredible. And I wonder what the evolution is. I know your mom was pretty vocal and into feminism in some capacity? Is that accurate? That's not accurate. Well, that's a great question because my mom would say she was a child of the 50s, real mm -hmm. good girl, Catholic school girl, smart student. My mom is a really warm, friendly person who in the 70s, like just, you know, was realizing that she was the generation that like had to choose between being a teacher and a nurse. Yeah. She's kind of in that generation, like, overeducated, underutilized. Mm -hmm. So she experienced the 70s as a young woman, but she also had me when she was really young. You know, she was like 23. So I would say definitely my mom identifies as that for sure. And I would say acted like that. But she probably would say that she went through a lot of different versions of herself because of when she was born. And so I am the daughter of a lot of women my age whose moms really kind of whispered to them, like, you can do anything you want, like really imbued them with a big sense of confidence. Yeah. And I will say my dad is kind of like a street smarts kind of guy. Bill? Yeah, Bill's a little bit of a hustler. Sure, sure. <laughs> He's hard scrabble. He had a much tougher childhood and kind of came through it and was this like, you know, high school athlete. And, you know, mom was the one that he got that he felt like, whoa, like out of my league. And he says it all the time, but my dad gave me a lot of confidence. And I think about your daughter's dads because when you have a dad who, as a woman, as a young girl, gives you a lot of attention and confidence, it's very, very special. It's just very, very special when your father pays attention to you when you're a girl. Mm. And I say that because I know a lot of people whose dads, it wasn't that they weren't necessarily bad to them or, uh, you know, dismissive of them. They just like didn't get their attention. Yeah. And so you can't get your dad's attention. It can really throw off your compass a little bit. Yeah. So my dad was like a little bit of like, he gave me a lot of confidence that I was, you know, very tough you know, enough, very right? Tough. Yeah. 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 And that helped a lot. Helped a lot. Yeah. I find myself, I even have to rein myself in how much yeah i'm trying to yeah, say that to them like <laughs> well it's got a backfire i mean you know <laughs> oh, yeah no matter what yeah. yeah 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 
But when he interviewed Hillary, who you and I both love mm-hmm. like crazy, the thing I was so grateful to her for sincerely is that I have that documentary to show my daughters. Like to your point, the many roles she had to take on that were not her because she's so fiercely pragmatic. That's what was so heartbreaking about it. I was like, okay, I'll change my fucking name and we're having a kid and now you're going to get reelected because I care so much about what we could do to Arkansas and having to make those compromises. It's so heartbreaking when you watch it today and to have that to show my daughters, I'm so grateful to, and this is the part you won't like you too are somebody I'm so grateful that I'll be able to point to as someone who had the confidence to be herself, brought people with her, hired all women for a production company, redefined Weekend Update, redefined what it is to host the Golden Globes, all on your terms, all through being powerful and and the unique way that you are. I am genuinely thrilled that this is the generation my kids are growing up in, that we have you. Thank you, babers. That's so nice. I mean it. Oh, I really want to make a joke, but I'm just going to sit. Oh, oh look at this. We'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> We're going to go to a MeUndies commercial. When we come back. I'm going to sit in MeUndies in it. I'm going to sit in MeUndies. Sit in MeUndies. Sit in MeFeelies. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to do an ad for me feelings. Ooh, me feelings are so tight and cozy. Thank you. Look, I made a joke. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I mean, that interview was amazing. More and more, I'm drawn, and this is why I love your show. This is why I, I'm drawn to people exposing the process of how they're thinking, like how they get there, and I love watching people, you know, may we be blessed to keep decade after decade making different mistakes and getting things wrong and then figuring them out. Like, it's very, very hard to stay flexible the older you get. You just find yourself, you know, I I was saying the other day, you know, I was like hearing what my boys were watching on YouTube. I was like, that is not, it's just not funny. It's not funny. It's just stupid. That guy is not funny, you know. (laughs) And it's just like, (laughs) it's just like... Whether you mean to or not, you start doing, you start getting tight, getting physically, emotionally tight. And then if you really get scared, you start feeling left out and you're like brittle. I just love when people try to stay nimble. I love the messiness of that. So I love what you guys do. And I I love that interview. And I love that bigger picture thing of like, what is a woman like Hillary's journey through generationally through all this stuff? You know, we're really... We're really quick all the time to apply present day thinking to everything. And it, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were born in the 70s. Like, I didn't have internet in college, but it's. <laughs> mm-hmm. I try my hardest to empathize with some of the people. The getting older part, I was always a part of that change. So the direction yeah. I was always moving in, I was always championing, or maybe I was even in the front of it. And now I realize, oh, now the change is going beyond me. And certain things that I bought into, which is like, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to figure out how to make money, and I'm going to buy awesome race cars. That's my whole life goal. I finally did it. Here we are. Guess what, man? They kill the fucking planet. And I'm like, (laughs) no, 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 no. That wasn't part of the fucking deal. I grew up in Detroit. That wasn't, but now I'm here. Now I get to get the thing I, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like mad about that. I'm pissed. I can't just ethically go fucking 
drag racing. And and I think there's yeah. many little things like that, that even these, the older people in Corona, I get it. It's like work hard, save your money, retire, enjoy life, stay inside indefinitely. No, that's not yeah. what I agreed to. But also like what you said, our narratives and our identity. If I think most younger people feel like I'm on the cutting edge. I'm progressive. Everyone thinks they're progressive until they're at an age where there's a generation that's much more progressive than you. And it like fucks with your identity. Cause like my parents are so, their identity is that they're so pragmatic and they're so, you know, the fact that they are not taking Corona as seriously as me is a shock mm. to all of us. Like right. no one can understand it. Cause that is their whole thing is safety and this and that. And I'm like, wait, but you guys are not doing it right and i think they can't take that in i can't even yeah. take that in. like it's it's so bizarre when you have these identities that get usurped by the younger generation in the same way that i love to like talk about class and apply class when it doesn't really you know uh, <laughs> when it isn't called for i'm the same way with what you're talking about generationally because i'm a, i'm really obsessed with that i'm a gen xer i have boomer parents gen xers are like feeling the really big squeeze they have little kids and aging parents. Yeah. And it's fascinating how many parents, boomer parents, are just like, you know, being like, well, I can still go to a restaurant. <laughs> you know, I and know. you're like, no. And this feeling of being parentified, you're suddenly worrying about them taking it's so and then me, the Gen Xer, is like looking at, you know, Gen Z and being like, get back in your house. Like you just feel like, you know, you're just like, yeah. get your best. And it's like, stop having your parties and get back in your house. I don't know. And then also, it's so funny, but I, I could talk about Gen X forever because I, I take great pride in being Gen X because I love that nobody cares about Gen X. Nobody <laughs> talks about it. We get totally ignored. People think we're boomers, you know, like, you know, like my kids will be like, okay, boomer. And I'm like, I am not a boomer. I'm Gen I think I did X. that to you recently. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think I'm 65 all the time. <laughs> Yeah, anybody anybody under 30 thinks anybody over 40 is 65. As they should. When I think yeah. back out of my elementary teachers, you know, I'm certain they were like 48, 50 years old. And they just aren't. I know the general age now that my kids are in elementary is those teachers are in their 20s. Oh, God. But I was certain yeah. of it. Wait, I want to piggyback real quick on, on the compliment showering and your story being one to pass down because I'm just never in this position where the events of our guests lives have affected my life so profoundly because UCB was my world for so long and what I think so amazing is it's you and three men in a very male-dominated profession group you know everything and you were always the person that everyone wanted to see, that everyone was excited about, that was, you know, sorry to uh, Ian and the Mats, but the best. And it was such a wonderful thing as a girl in comedy to be like, no, but the best one is her. Mm. It was really, really important, I think. I feel so happy that UCB is part of your experience, like because I do feel... It's a shared experience. It isn't just mine. And the experience of building it, it was truly like a four-headed experience. You know, Ian, Matt, and Matt, and we really all worked together in different ways. And thank you for saying that. I feel like anytime I hear somebody feel like they found their people there, I do feel in a very big picture way, so grateful 
Yeah. Because I think the world is very lonely. And mm. in any way that we can find people that we call our people, especially when we're doing the kind of work we're doing, which is like very vulnerable, heavy rejection. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's competitive. This is neither here nor there, but I don't know why it just immediately <laughs> shot into my head. You were pregnant and I don't think anyone knew and you are at my house and you were looking outside at my mom and my stepdad hugging and you started bawling uncontrollably. Oh. <laughs> what a sweetie they pie. They were the cutest couple, but also like, I mean, it hit you like a freight train. <laughs> yeah. What a cute moment. Uh, your mom your mom is really something else and he was so great yes and god that is so long ago Dax but it's not but it is I know stay tuned for more armchair expert if you dare we are supported by the coolest minivan on planet Earth, Chrysler Pacifica. With a refreshed interior and exterior on 2021 models, more standard safety features of any vehicle like forward collision warning, lane departure warning, and blind spot monitoring. America's only plug-in hybrid that allows for 32 electric miles, 520 total miles of driving, and qualifies for a $7,500 federal tax credit. Now available with all-wheel drive capability if you're in that snowy climate. It's the most advanced all-wheel drive system in its class. New Pinnacle model interiors include quilted leather seats with second row pillows, more cargo capacity than full-size SUVs and crossovers. Also, wireless Apple CarPlay and phone charging. Standard forward collision warning with active braking provides audible and visual warnings and applies the brakes when needed. Standard blind spot warning helps you make safer lane changes and detects a vehicle entering one of your blind spots with a light on the exterior mirror. It is the most advanced all-wheel drive system in its class. Chrysler is offering Arm Cherries an exclusive $1,000 bonus cash offer towards a new Chrysler Pacifica or Pacifica Hybrid. Visit PacificaAndDax.com and sign up to receive this offer, updates, and more from Chrysler brand. PacificaAndDax.com. We are supported by BetterHelp. If you're having trouble meeting your goals or difficulty with relationships or trouble sleeping, they just listed everything you and I deal with. <laughs> True. <laughs> or you're feeling stressed or depressed, BetterHelp is available. BetterHelp offers online professional counselors who can listen and help. Simply fill out a questionnaire to assess your needs and BetterHelp will match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is secure online professional counseling. BetterHelp counselors have a broad range of expertise, which may not be available in your area. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send unlimited messages to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available in fact so many people have been using better help they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states i'm a huge proponent of therapy it has helped me through all those things that were listed at the beginning of this which i think i suffer from all of them yeah at different periods so i really recommend better help we are sponsored by better help and Arm Cherries get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com DAX. Visit BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash DAX and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp professional. I wanted to tell you one story I don't know if I've ever told you, and then I want to talk, of course, about Moxie. We all went uh, one time to one of those night before parties. It was like a night before television party oh yep 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 
And I was just, I think maybe Kristen and I had been together maybe like six months, eight months. And we all hung out and it was you, Tina, myself, Will, Kristen, and maybe um, Carrie Russell or something. And we just had a, it was the funnest night. Like it was one of those things where those parties are awkward. There's a million people there. And then I was like, oh my God, I feel like I got picked for the good kickball team. Here we are. We're safe. We're going to laugh at all this silliness. So the next day, Kristen and I went for a hike. In fact, I asked her if I could tell this story. Uh, <laughs> we're on a hike the next day, and she's blue. Oh. Like, I can feel that she's blue. And I go, uh, what's, go on? What's, uh, what's going on? She goes, I don't know. Just thinking about. I'm not funny. You know, I'm not funny. And I said, well, you're, you're very funny. And she goes, no, I just, you know, Tina and Amy. And I go, <laughs> Yeah, Tina and Amy, the two funniest women of the last 40 People. years. I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, I can see where you might feel like you're not as funny as the two funniest women of the last couple decades. And it was just so wonderful. And it's what happens to us because you get to sit next to and you're just everyone's a human. And then you really you go home and you've you've compared yourself to these two people that have been working together as a comedy team for 18 years and you kind of evaluate yourself against them. And it's just so fucking comical. And her of all people, too, right? Like, her of all, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Her of all people. Also, yeah. she did, She knows she is so funny. And she doesn't need me to tell her that. But she yeah. knows that. But she also knows, and we all know, everybody does that. Every single yes. person at every party and every moment, myself included, goes home and has, like, <laughs> God. Take like, stock. <laughs> I just, I'm like, I can't believe I said that stupid thing. And like, I was trying so hard and I was talking so loud and, or, or, you know, oh, I pretended like I didn't care and I care so much. Everybody does it. And I'm not funny. I'm not talented. I'm not, it's like, if you don't do that, you're a psychopath. Well, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm mad at myself for that, but you're right. I would be a piece of shit if I didn't do that. Well, you'd actually have like a behavioral disorder if you went to a gigantic Hollywood party with every single person whose work you appreciated. If you were like, I nailed it, you would, you would be a serial killer. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great You're point. You're a serial killer. Okay. I want to talk about Moxie because like I knew what the premise was before I saw the trailer. Uh, I was very bummed I couldn't watch it last night. I was hoping to have a link and I didn't. Regardless, he looked at me like I was my. No, fault. I didn't. didn't. I didn't even look at you. Well, I looked down here. This happened with Carrie Mulligan's movie too. What's going on? Why are yeah, you guys? Yeah, we have issues. Have... Okay, sorry. We'll make it work. Look, we have some areas we could grow in, and that's certainly <laughs> one of them. Um... I, I feel like this is a Rob issue. I'm sorry. Rob. <laughs> why are we not? Why? Why are these links not working? Wobby Wob. Yeah, I would just. I'd love to get an email, Rob, letting me know that this is fixed. I'm gonna. I'm, as soon I'm gonna as, think as about soon as this. this is cleared up, please hit me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I thought, what an awesome thing for you to direct because of what we just talked about. You having navigated all these male spaces, you being someone that's very vocally outspoken about these unfair things that happen to women. And then, to my great relief, not told in the most precious, annoying way where I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. You know, because when you hear the premise, I'm a little bit like, I hope it's not, you know. Oh, you mean you don't you don't get excited when a movie tells you it's going to teach you something? What, what yes. do you mean? Well, as we already covered, you want me to not do something? Just tell me to do it. It oh, could yeah. be something I've been dying to do for 20 years. All you got to do is say, go do that. And I won't. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse than TV and movies being homework. 
So Moxie is a, a movie. It's going to be on Netflix. March 3rd. March 3rd. It is based off of a YA novel um, written by Jennifer Mathieu. And it's she's a high school teacher. And she basically, you know, set the novel in a high school. And it's about one young girl, shy. She wins most obedient in her high school and is trying to just kind of get through school with her head down. And her group of friends kind of run the gamut of being very involved and very vocal and being very nervous to participate. So it's watching the journey of one person figure out, what do I care about? How do I want to try to make change? Am I the person to do it? And in the meantime, she gathers these other young women in her life who kind of take over what she starts. And I play her mom, who is um, my age, like ex uh, you know, yeah, uh, 39 my age. <laughs> yeah. Just on the eve of 40. Just can't wait to hit 40. So excited for what it brings. Big, big party um, planned. Big party. I just, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm not afraid of the number. Let's just say that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> who, you know, had a riot girl kind of, you know, feminist experience and realizes that that was limited and needs to be updated, but assumed her daughter would be this kind of outspoken rebel. And she actually has this introverted, like, good, you know, what I dug about it is there's so many, and it's this is a patriarchal uh, storytelling arc, which is it's always like the outsider who goes in there and does what, and it's like, oh my god, look at him go. And I think that the journey of the reluctant person doesn't know how to make themselves the lead of their own story. Who thinks maybe by not participating they'll kind of skate through? Like I think it's an interesting place to be because I not everyone is comfortable in that front and center spot, but it's funny and it's. All incredible cast, really super young people who, yeah, super inspiring to be around, and they're doing great work in their own lives too. Like they're incredible thought leaders and challenging the status quo. To your point, Monica, like they're so progressive and so interesting, and kept me on my toes in terms of how to think about things. And well, one thing I liked is like some of the dudes get on board with the movement and they think it's really hot, and then the guys like, should I? Uh, do you want to go in first? Or I shouldn't have said that. Should I have offered you? And she's like, no, no, I like that. Like, I liked mm -hmm. that. It's like all the things. It's not like this very narrow view of what it means to be heard and appreciated. I don't want to gender ideas, but I am always drawn, and I don't know if this is female or not, but I'm drawn like in the way that people are unsure of what is right. And sometimes, you know, like there's, this is the way to do things. It's certainly like, look, none of us really know what we're doing. We're making mistakes left and right, all that stuff. Also, I just love high school movies. Like I grew up, John Hughes, like I love the archetypes of, yeah. and there's so much juicy, like Monica, there's so much romance Ooh. and juicy, like high school feelings oh, that I, I just and love. Flirting. Oh. Yes, flirting. And what is like the new version of like the dreamy boy? Like what yes. does he look like now? And we're delivering on that with, Moxie, I have to say this this kid, Nico Haraga, who plays Seth is incredible. And Hallie Robinson is anyway, the cast is really good. And I just feel like it will scratch some um old nostalgic high school itches of what it felt like. Like, what kind of person am I? Where do I fit in? Yeah. But yeah, to your point, Dax, I agree. I mean, I think like it's hard to tell, you know, nobody's one thing anymore. There's no like so many high school things are like super cool. Like kids are like partying in a house in Mulholland and I'm like what the <laughs> high school like I'm like what high school experience is this like who was ever this cool in high school did go to a lot of parties where I booty dance Monica was pretty 
a regular on the booty dance scene. Yeah, yeah well, so. you know. <laughs> I know. Babers, another thing we love. Boy, do we love to dance, don't we? You know why we love to dance? Because we're fucking good at it. We're good at dancing. <laughs> so we love it because we're good at it. <laughs> That's right. That, well, that is right. I didn't like to do one thing I'd look stupid doing. Uh, but Monica and I got a little bit of a tiff because I found out that all of her dancing, she went out dancing quite a bit in college, but it was just booty dancing. And I, I was like, were you literally just sat there and grinded on something? She said yes, and I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to categorize that as dancing. Like, I need more moves. I need to see you work the floor. I need you to change up what's happening footwork-wise. I listened to that conversation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to take Monica's side because... Thank you. Dancing is whatever. It's, right. to me, the thing that qualifies it as dancing is just like a little bit of vulnerable movement. Yeah. You know, like... Yes. Getting out there and moving is very exposing. And when people do it and they're confident, like, That's all. you know, you've talked about it. You, yeah. You're done. You, you, you've won the battle. So shaking the booty takes that. It does take you getting out there, getting up, moving in a That's way right. that, like, could go wrong. <laughs> and could, it does it often. Go <laughs> wrong. Oh, it's a very wrong. high risk it's dance. High like, risk. the odds that you'll be in sync are very low. I, God, I love dancing. And actually, it really helps with my social anxiety. So more and more, like all those fancy parties sometimes that we're invited to, I go to the dance floor and I don't leave. I totally and agree. I, I stay there. And it's been such a place for me to meet. Okay, now I'm just going to name drop famous people, but why not? Yeah, yeah. Let's do So it. the last big like Hollywood party I went to, it was the pre-Golden Globes or something. It was one of those like, uh, you know, night before or something. Yeah. And for those people that don't know, like they'll have like a, you have the event, which is, you know, you're starving and it's not that fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you'll have like a, there'll be some kind of party. And sometimes you can be like, oh my God, that's the guy from, you know. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, all you do. You, just, you walk around, yeah. oh my God, that's the guy from Deb. Like, oh oh. And then you feel excited because you're like, ah, oh, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a friend. Like you're really, you get really excited. It's so, it's high school, but I was anxious. I have quite a bit of social anxiety and I'm sad to say it's like gotten worse, not better as I've gotten older. So I'm like, okay, how do I get through it? So for me, moving really helps me. Yeah. So almost anywhere I go, I try to get the dance floor going and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm usually the first one on it. Uh, of course, <laughs> you're the vanguard. Thank you. And I'm just like, get a couple people and it gets going. It gets going. You're but a party pumper. I, I thank you so much. I yeah. love to pump a party. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I won't leave the dance floor. I just stay there. And then the people that come on the dance floor are the people, if this makes sense, that you want to dance with. Yeah. So like the people that come and want to dance are like you. And you don't have to talk to them. You can just point yeah. <laughs> to like be like, uh-huh. <laughs> you can just be like, oh my God. You yeah. know, like. I love you on succession and then you dance together oh, and then you don't have to yeah. ever talk. It's oh. so, I love it. Tina and I used to throw these after parties after the Golden Globes and they were really fun, really like epic. And there were a couple moments where there was a, there'd be a dance circle and I would be like, holy shit. <laughs> I'd look around, I'd be like, I'm nailing it. <laughs> this, is, this, this is every famous person I've ever seen in one dance, in one dance circle. Black, Brown, gay, straight, comedians, just dramatic actors, documentarians, Egos. everyone, egos. <laughs> They're all here. Just all in a circle. They're all in a circle. 
Oh, you were going to name drop, though. I kind of cut you off from name drop. Oh, I was just going to say, I, ha I had this moment where it was like, Shiv from Succession. Oh. Uh, uh, Sarah Snook. So Sarah from Succession, who I never met, but I love. And then it's like, Lena Waithe will come on and, and start dancing. And I'll be like, uh, I know Lena a little bit, but I wish I knew her a lot of it. And then it'll be like, oh, who's on the dance floor? I'll be like, oh, it's Khaleesi and Jon Snow dancing <laughs> together. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it just like starts to fill up. You're like, oh my God, Ava DuVernay's here. Okay, now it's cool. Like the floor starts to fill up and you start feeling like, oh my God, I, I think they're not going to kick me off the dance floor. It's so, it's oh. such base, it's such basic high school stuff, basically. My pinnacle of that was we were at one of those things and Lisa Bonet was there, <laughs> Liliquai. And like, I felt like I could go on that dance floor. It was pretty wide open. And I spent about oof, 75 yeah. minutes fucking one-on-one -on -one dancing with her. And I was like, yeah. this can't be happening. The exchange we're having is so much more profound than whatever we could have been talking about. We're sharing this. This is why you and I are like, because at a party, I followed Lisa and Jason Momoa around like straight up like, like a third, like hoping to be a third. <laughs> oh man, I'd be in that third. Well, you know, you always have to give out the energy, which is like, hey. Hey. <laughs> I'm just I'm not saying you know. what I would or wouldn't do. Just I'm odds just are saying, I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't say third. I didn't say it. But if you guys say it. <laughs> I mean, the biggest perk of getting to do what I do is I get to meet people whose work I love. I can't believe it. I can't yeah. believe that I get to meet Carol Burnett or that I get to be in the same room with people who I love. I can't believe it. Over and over again, I'm just like, how is this my life? I can't believe it. I can believe it. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anyone guys. I could believe it from, it would be you. Babers, I'm so glad you did this. Me too. Me and, too. Thank um, you. Despite Thank you, Rob's guys. colossal fuck up, I will be watching on March 3rd, Moxie. I am really, really excited <laughs> to watch too. it because that is probably my favorite genre of movies. Uh, you, of course, is cool mom. I'll never forget it. Mean Girls. I just <laughs> love <laughs> that space. Yeah, it's a juicy space. And you got to watch it from your couch. You don't have to go anywhere. And I can pick, I know, I feel like I know everything about your pod. I know who's coming in and out. <laughs> I know everything about your satellite shows. I've listened to all of them. I love Monica and Jess Love Boys. You oh, really love that. You. And I pass that Loved on to it. Monica. I love the race for 270. I love it. Oh, wow. Do you want to marry Aaron Weekly a little bit? First of all, <laughs> Aaron's laugh oh. is... It's taken over the world. Everyone can't stop talking about it. By the way, it doesn't become obvious why I went into comedy. He was laughing at my jokes, and I thought <laughs> I was, like, so funny because of that laugh. Yeah. No one makes him laugh more than you. Like, it's, it's really, really, really sweet. And vice versa. <laughs> yeah, it's really I love that relationship. I have a term for you guys. I think you should. You know how Stern has the whack pack? Uh-huh. I feel like you guys have the jacked pack. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's you have, you have great. so many jacked people that come on and talk about their bodies. And, <laughs> I'm like, obsessed with uh, men's bodies. I know. And I fucking oh, love. Are we twins that way too? You don't really care all that much. I don't. I don't care that yeah. much. Yeah. I love hearing you guys talk about it because I love. I lo again. I love anybody that's good at their job. So if your job is to get fit and you did it, like, yeah. tell me about it. I love it. But. I'm so happy that's not my job. So happy that's not my job. Our friend Jesse, you know from Monica and Jess Love Boys, he's a, a waiter at Houston's, my favorite restaurant, and he'll tell the servers he's training, build it for him. Build the sandwich. 
If they ask about the chicken sandwich, so we start with this Grecian roll. We put on a lightly breaded crimson breast with top. So, so build it for me. And that's what you're looking for. There's nothing like a good waiter. If you can be mm. a good waiter oh. at wait tables, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. If you're able to deal with people, compartmentalize, quickly make decisions. Shine your light a little bit. 100%. I love you so much. Love you guys. My favorite thing is when you text me after an interview. The first time he told me that you were texting him about the show, I was like, cannot compute. <laughs> Brain is not. Talk about like, I can't believe it. This for me is that. It's crazy. Oh. I love what you guys are doing. I just love your show. That settles it. We're going to commission a bronze bus of you, babers. It's going to be in the <laughs> attic. <laughs> I can't wait to get up into that attic and be oh. yes. in front of everybody with the door open. Oh, Hell yes. I don't even have a response to that. I'm just so pumped. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Thanks, I you love guys. you so much. I can't wait love to see you, you in person. Me too. Me too. All Thanks, right. you guys, Bye. so much. Bye, babers. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Since I have outed myself about the vaping and the dipping, mm -hmm. I just want to update everyone that I'm uh, day 10 uh, off of vapes. Which is very exciting. And uh, day two, no no uh, dip. Yeah. No, no chewing tobacco. And how do you feel? Good. But now that we're recording, I was like, mm, where's my all my stuff? Where's all my little gizmos? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a habit. That's right. Yeah. Speaking of habits, I'm not drinking right now. Oh, right. That's another update for everyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I'm going on two weeks. Well, you've done two weeks, right? Yeah. Wasn't it two weeks this weekend? Yeah. I guess when I say going on, I we, meant like it happened and I'm continuing going, on. Right. Yeah. Continuing on from two. You're in week three. That I don't like saying. You don't like it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's like jumping the gun. Okay. It's like saying you won before you won. That's true. But you are in your third week of sobriety. Two and a half. Okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be sober for no. life. I just really needed to reset. Mm -hmm. And I started to get a little scared thinking about how many days I had consumed alcohol in a row, which was every day uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> for almost a year, I think. <laughs> every days. <laughs> yeah. And then I started really thinking, the last time I went two full weeks, I don't know. Oh, high school, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. Two, why would you go more than two weeks without drinking? Yeah. There'd be no, no reason. There'd be no reason. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> even when you would take trips with your parents, you're, you, you have wine. Yeah. 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 There's no reason you wouldn't have. Yeah. And how do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. It's an interesting experiment for sure. At minimally, it's an interesting experiment. Yeah. When I'm craving it, mm -hmm. it just became such a habit. It's good to shake it up. Yeah. I think. But I, I, I want to go back. But hopefully when I go back, I will be more cognizant of not just putting it in my body just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and actually being a little more conscious of when, with a meal or, you know. Well, you and I were talking about this, and I was saying one of my red flags personally was just how often I'd actually be bored drinking. Mm -hmm. Like where I would be at the bar and I'd be reading the label of the beer over and over again yeah. and going like, 
something's wrong. This is supposed to be fun. Like yeah. if I'm bored and drunk, I don't like this. Yeah. Or that I'm just returning to the state I'm always at after six o'clock. It doesn't even actually feel like anything. And mm-hmm. I'm just as prone to be bored and probably more so because I'm relying on just sitting on that stool for being fun. But it's. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely use it as a like stuffy. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a safety blanket or something. I just like knowing it's like it's a constant. Yeah, yeah, it's a constant. It's and yeah, so it's been good. The first week was really hard, really, really hard. And in that time, I had a couple girlfriends over in the pod, and you know, it was, it was a girls' night, and I was like, oh my god, how? I guess I'll have to drink this night. Like it wasn't right. even. It wasn't even like an option to not, but then I thought, no, I, I can't. I just, I'll just have to not do it while everyone else is yeah. drinking. And then it was fine. It's just uncomfortable when you're coming to the acceptance part that you're yeah. not going to, right? To me, that the only discomfort is when you're formulating an argument in your head, you're like, oh, no, no, well, I have to. This is a girl's and I couldn't have invited these people over and then just be the one person staring at them not drinking. So, yeah. like, you're building this thing. Yeah. And then another part of your brain's going like, no, but you've committed to at least going a week. So yeah, you can't. exactly. And all that, to me, that's the discomfort. Until you finally then go, oh, no, I'm not. And that's over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, and when they are drinking, like, I was like, I want that. Yeah, I yeah. want that. That's, like, hours into the... Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Into the hang. I like it. Uh-huh, yeah. And more than, just, more than just the stuffy and more than just the habit, I really like the feeling. Yeah, and it's great. the taste, like, it's hard for me to say the taste because I don't know if that's just because I... Well, it's Pavlovian. The taste is associated with the feeling you like. So it would be impossible for you not to enjoy the taste because it's signaling what's coming. Yeah. Like, I love the taste of Jack and Diet. I bet us, you know, objectively, it's not delicious. (laughs) No, it's not. But I fucking love it. Even if I smell one, I'm like, oh, that smells wonderful. So anyway, that's a little update. Yeah. A lot of things being quit over here. Well, not quit. But not quit. I know. No, I'm I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not pressuring you. I know. But you did quit drinking two weeks ago. Yeah, I'm taking a break. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want you to feel like you can't tell me that you want me to stop. You don't want me to feel like I can't tell you I want you to stop. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I just had to get that straight and put that (laughs) sentence in Um, I would tell you if I was concerned about your drinking. I do think it's a tiny touchy subject, right? Um, like, it's fun to talk to you about not drinking because I don't drink. Uh-huh. And then I'll just be kind of expounding on the things I remember liking about it. Like, oh, it's more about the morning. Like, I have, I now I feel predictably in the morning as opposed to I feel predictable at night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a nice thing. Uh, I have more energy. Oh, I'm not gaining as much weight. Like, there's just all these little things. And then I'm I'm inclined to talk to you about that. And then I get self-conscious like, Oh, she thinks I'm trying to really build this up so she'll stop. Yeah. And I can feel it, but I'm not. I'm just kind of like bonding over having gone through this. Yeah. And knowing what it's like to walk into a place that you always do one thing. And Mm -hmm. now you're very aware of this thing you're not going to do. But I have no agenda with your. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm also in my head about it a lot. Yeah. I'm really analyzing it a lot. I might be overthinking, of course, but 
uh, my sleep is still very erratic. Uh-huh. And if I wake up and I don't feel refreshed, uh-huh. I'm like, I should have, I could have just had wine and I would have right. felt the exact same way. And that is annoying. <laughs> yes. But it is all what you focus on. So when we were talking about it, you were at the end of a 36-hour cleaning and organizing spree. <laughs> yeah, man. And you had chose to leave a social situation to continue that. And I said, I don't think you would have ever spent a whole weekend doing what you just did. I don't think you would have the energy to do it. And then the other stuff would be too much of a pull to probably not go do it. So... Yeah. Anywho, so it's a journey. Part of it was since I've been on my antidepressant, I haven't been on that and not drank. And a part of me wondered if I was even doing anything, if I was counteracting it. And I just wanted to see what it was like to be on that medication and not be adding a depressant Mm, into my body. Yeah. And I think overall, I think my mood has been good. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I think it has. Yeah. 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 I think you have seemed way more uh, just even keeled. Even keeled. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's. I'm scared probably. to say that, but I I, I I think so. It's okay to say that. What else? What else? This is Amy's episode. Oh. And man, oh. was it a dream come true? It was literally a dream come true. I, I texted Anthony right after because he is a person who. It's fun. I get to I get to like share these things with him and he he gets it in a different way. Of I course. think, you know, cuz he's been on the journey the whole time. Yeah. And we were on it together. We are on it together. Really quick, um I've seen it in the comment sections like is Monica's boyfriend Anthony? So just Anthony's your oh, best buddy. Yeah, and Anthony, he's yes. Married yes. happily. <laughs> he's happily married, three children. Three children. Allison is his beautiful wife. Who's a PT. Yes, that's correct. Uh, and, who is also your primary care physician. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Un- unfortunately for her, <laughs> yeah, yeah. she gets all of my questions. But yeah, Anthony, we went to college together and then we moved out here together and we were roommates for years and years and years. And uh, yeah, he's one of my best friends. And he's a writer. He's a, a television writer. Successful one. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, but we started out as little people. Pea babies. <laughs> yeah. Like that was a real added layer of the heartache of Brie and I breaking up. Yeah. Because she was on the ride. Yeah. We met at 20 and 19 in yeah. the one bedroom apartment. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like what? whatever comes next won't, I. it'll just be a different thing. Yeah, it'll be a different next, thing. Yeah. But it, it is something lovely about having shared the whole journey with somebody. Yeah. It's fun to be able to talk with someone that knew you in all these different periods. Yeah, and I think you need those people because it's a good reminder of where you started. What you wanted. Exactly. Yeah, and you can really see it better through them. When he talks about it, Uh I get snapped back in like, oh, yeah, that is crazy. Right. That is crazy that we did that, that I did that. or Yeah. Well, I was telling you this whole year where I've been hanging out with Aaron again nonstop has like completely changed my view of my life. Like I'm like, oh, I have money. (laughs) 
and we can spend it, he and I. Like, it's yeah. just, it's really been this bizarre reminder of, it's made me appreciate that so much more. Yeah, it's so lucky Big to have time. people like that. Anyway, so I texted Anthony and I said, oh my God, we just interviewed Amy Poehler and he like could not. He was like, you need to take that in. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, of all, I mean, of course, like Hillary, oh my God, and yeah, yeah. Bill and all these people. But for me personally, she has had the most profound impact on my life. Because of UCB. Yeah, because of UCB. And just like always looking at her as someone who- uh, Is a bad motherfucker yeah, and a female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, it was so exciting to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the tricky part of it is, and why it's like fun to then regroup with Anthony is, you have an obligation to not act crazy when you interview her. You have yeah. to act like a peer. yeah. And not have a conversation that feels weird for her. So in some way in your mind, you have to go into it going like, now's not the time to explain everything about, you know. Yeah. And and in doing that, you can accidentally miss out. Yeah, you have to remove yourself a bit from the experience in order to do it well. Right. And then it is, it's good to have people that, you can click back into that old person. And enjoy it the way you should. Yeah. It was really fun. She's so cool. I know. She's cool. God. Yeah. Did you, ow. Oh, Ooh, my, my God. Back. Did you just throw your back up? <laughs> oh, my back's been really oh, messed up. You're, you're sitting there and then <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden your back broke. <laughs> <laughs> it's been doing that kind of late, like spasming. Oh, randomly i've had a couple things too it just happened to me at the pharmacy i had called in my prescription (laughs) and it was due to be ready but it wasn't and it was uh about 25 minutes and i was just standing perfectly still for 25 minutes and then when it was there legs locked yeah it was froze i was catatonic no you gotta bend a leg or you'll pass (laughs) out (laughs) well what happened was she then held it up like come get it and first step I was like, oh, my back is shot. Like, my back hurt so much immediately when I started walking. And then the walk to the car, I was like, oh, fuck. And I stood a lot during Top Gear this week. And and a few different times, too, it was like I was standing for so long. And then I went to sit in the car and it felt like a grandpa. Oh. A grampy. Uh Uh-oh. I forgot. Well, you're coming off a pretty bad back injury. I can't. It hurts. (laughs) Okay, Amy Polar. Amy Marie Poehler. What's her middle name? Babers. Amy Babers Poehler. Amy Babers Poehler. (laughs) (laughs) Daughter of Bill Poehler. Um, She said, she started to go into like a commercial, this is how you'll look when you're 40. Okay. No, she started, she said that and then you said something about it being a commercial. And I tried to look it up, but I didn't, I don't know what was happening. Oh, she said you're going to love the way you look. Is it a commercial? Yes, it's, um... Uh, men's Warehouse. Oh. And they play the commercial a ton on, um, historically, they've they've always been a sponsor of Stern. And so she's a huge Stern person. I'm a huge Stern oh. person. So it's probably, you're going to like the way you look. Yeah. It, I bet that was it. Got it. Just like, um, or your mattress is free. 
Okay, this is sounding right. CERN, Stemmons, Sealy, Posturepedic, <laughs> Sternum and Wells, Chatham and Hoochie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, my God. silly Valentine. <laughs> you, you now made it my silly Valentine. Your teeth are hoarse and your physique is for shit. Oh my God. You goofy dum dum, <laughs> I love you. We talked about this again lately, and I said I circle back on it being romantic again. Yeah, I was. <laughs> well, here's what I <clears throat> our debate was. You said, "Well, wow, it's really a nagging song," and I said, "For me, that would be better than what I actually think it is, which is he's just preying on someone who's struggling, yeah. and he's just giving her compliments and then using yeah, her. Then I said, You'll never meet my friends, <laughs> <No>. silly." <laughs> <laughs> I said that actually it is kind of sweet if she's objectively um <laughs> oh boy <laughs> let's just say uh, let's just say she's a person with a horrible personality okay okay and he's actually being sweet he's like look like I recognize that you have a horrible personality <laughs> But I, I just love you. I don't know. I don't know well, why. Well, he likes to laugh at her. He's a, her no, he f- his funny Valentine. He <laughs>, laughs at her. No, it's funny as in like, it's mysterious that I love you, oh, but I do. <laughs> see, I think this song is about someone whose self-esteem is so low that they would like that song about themselves. Yeah, it is not it's a, a nice bad song. <laughs> it's a very bad song. I know there's all these people getting in trouble, but that's a very <laughs> unacceptable song. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Amy, Elizabeth, Babers, Polar. So now we've figured that out. Yeah. Men's Warehouse, perfect. I'm so glad you said that because I I came up nil. You're going to like the way you look. We guarantee it. Oh. Mm -hmm. At Men's Warehouse. hmm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They guarantee it. They guarantee it. They're challenging you. We dare you to come down here, pop on one of our suits, and not love the way you look. Oh. I wonder how often they have to... By the way, what are they guaranteeing? I know. Like, what's they're not the, saying you get your money back. Yeah, what's the penalty? That's why they are saying it. They're smart. Yeah. This is the best fact check we've ever recorded. I guarantee it. And people would be like, wow, he guarantees it. And they would yeah. not go, what does that mean? Right. Well, it doesn't mean anything. You can say I guarantee anything. Well, normally a guarantee means that there is something on the other end of it. Like if you don't like it. Well, I think if you attach some more words to it, money back guarantee, right. we got something. But just saying I guarantee it, which people say a lot. Yeah, it's like literally. It. It's oh, you're going to love that hamburger. I guarantee it. Well, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's just become colloquial, I guess. Yeah. Okay, the Malcolm Gladwell Revisionist History episode on September 11th that she mentions is the one Free Brian Williams. Yeah. Which is such a good episode. It's such a good podcast it in is. general. And then that episode is incredible. It's called Free Brian Williams. The first part is about Brian Williams and his misremembering mis- of the helicopter rescue. And it kind of breaks all that down and memory and then talks about September 11th and how people remember that differently. It's so good. Please listen. We love Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm. Hi, Malcolm Gladwell. You're going to love it. I guarantee. I guarantee. I money back guarantee that. Yeah, I'll money back guarantee it yeah. too. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's free. Yeah. You said there's data that says tall people get listened to more. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Atlantic article that says 
An extra inch correlates with an estimated $800 in increased annual earnings. So there's some financial perks. In the 1960s and 70s, Thomas Greger, an anthropologist, ding, 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 at Vanderbilt, traveled to central Brazil to see if height was prized by people beyond the developed world. For years, he observed the Mahainaku, a group that lived in the tropical forest and was so thoroughly unmodern that they had never seen eyeglasses. He spent time with the Navajo and the Trobriand Islanders of Papua New Guinea, too. In no case have I found a preference for short men. Yeah, well, there's that very obvious natural selection thing happening with tall men. Why? Because they can protect more. You're bigger. You can fight bigger animals. Mm. You can fight off bigger uh, adversaries who are raiding your village. Yeah. In Western countries, a jump from the 25th percentile of height to the 75th, about four or five inches, is associated with an increase in salary between 9 and 15%. Oh, my God. Ding, ding, ding. Another analysis suggests that an extra inch is worth almost $800 a year in elevated earnings. This is where the ding, ding, ding comes. If you take this over the course of a 30-year career and compound it, one researcher told Malcolm Gladwell for his book, Blink, we're talking about a tall person enjoying literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of earnings advantage. Among men, the sharpest jump in earnings the researchers documented was between 5'4 and 5'6. Oh, they found that the returns on height began to plateau around six feet. Mm, okay. So I'm I'm an excessive. It doesn't, it's not serving me. Correct. I'm just taking on more health risks without any uh, financial upside. That's right. Upside. Gain. Yeah, that's right. Well, then Aaron nailed it. Is he six foot? Yeah. Oh. Okay, I tried to look for the parable about the girl walking on the edge of a mountain to see if it was a parable. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really find it. So maybe it's real. I had never heard it. It wasn't ringing any bells for me. Me either. But it does sound similar to the one with the girl who has the red ribbon around her neck and then the ribbon comes off and her head falls off. Oh, I don't know that one. That's oh a my God, really? It was like a thing in elementary school about there was a girl and she always had a, a red handkerchief around mm. her neck and there's probably some other stuff about her mom and grocery shopping. Oh. And then everyone was like, why are you always wearing that red scarf around your neck? Yeah. And she was like, I just like it. And then one day, someone pulled it off and her head fell crashing to the ground. Oh, my God. That's the whole story. What is the lesson to be learned there? Great question. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just a scary story. Okay. Right. (laughs) So not so much a parable as a frightening story. Also, maybe don't be a dick and pull someone's scarf off. I I think I made that part. I think I was flourishing. Embellishing. Okay, flourishing. Yeah, I was flourishing for sure. But I was also embellishing because I think actually she takes it off herself. Well, then it's on her. So I guess it's a personal responsibility parable. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe it's a parable about trying to get approval. Like she was willing to take it off to stop getting teased at the expense of her head falling off and dying. I don't think she was teased. I think people were curious. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Girl with red scarf. Head falls off. Comes up immediately. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is a BuzzFeed article. For everyone who's still fucked up over that story about the girl with the ribbon around her neck. Okay, it was a ribbon. That's what you said originally, by the way. And then you change it to scarf. No, I said handkerchief. Then I changed it to scarf. I think originally, I think the first time you said it, 
I thought, Here? I think, yeah, today I thought you said ribbon and then you were talking about a scarf and I'm like, oh, she changed it to scarf and then you changed it to handkerchief. Oh, I think yeah, you I started think with so. ribbon. I, I think you had it. Okay. <clears throat> I don't, thank you for your faith, but I don't think that's true. Okay. Oh, it's from, oh, it's from this classic book in a dark, dark room and other stories. Stories intended for children in this eerie, memorable tale, a woman with a velvet ribbon around her neck will never take it off and is very mysterious about why. In the end, it's revealed that the ribbon is the only thing keeping her head attached to her body. When the ribbon is removed, her head comes flopping off and sometimes it's still talking from the floor in the moonlight. The tale is also incredibly spooky because of how consumed with removing the ribbon the husband becomes. It's a story of mania as well as the sometimes horrific consequences of the truth one seeks. Mm. So that is a parable. Yeah. Wow. Just let people have their secrets. That is what it's saying. Yeah, or their head will come off. But by the way, what a durable ribbon that it lasted her whole life. The story ends with a mortified man uncovering a shocking secret about his wife that has loomed over their marriage the entire time. Mm, this is a parable about... Secrets. This is a metaphor, yeah. Like, he he wanted to know if she fucked his friend Tony 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't let it go, couldn't let it go, couldn't let it go. And then he finally forced her to tell him, and then it ruined everything. Wow. That's what it is. She banged Tony. It displays just how haunting a woman's past can be to the male ego. Oh, yeah. This is a great... This is a great story. It is really (laughs) life-affirming. Happy story. All right, I'll get off of that. Okay. Um, What's your favorite parable? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my favorite one is definitely though who fart in church, sit in on pew. That's not a parable. Yeah. No, it has to be a story. It is. Someone (laughs) farts in church and then they have to sit in their own pew. Oh, my God. And do you know pew is double meaning. Tell me. <laughs> Two meanings. Pew-y <laughs> and church pew. Pew-y. <laughs> I have another one I love. Okay. Though who go to bed with itchy butt. Oh my God. Wake up with stinky finger. Okay. Listen. These are life lessons. No. These are <laughs> disgusting. They're true. Boy, boy jokes. My mom told us them. <laughs> For your, for the record. Well, still. Okay. I'm going to stick with the fact that they're disgusting boy jokes. Okay. But do you really? Yes, they're true. Okay. That's all I care about. (laughs) I'm, I'm in search of the truth. That's why I love these parables. Can you really tell me a parable you like? I don't think I know a parable. Like tortoise in the hair or. Oh, Oh, like, um, Chaucer's table fables or something. Um. (laughs) Chaucer? No. What is it? I think Tortoise in the Hare is a Chaucer fable, isn't it? Is it Chaucer? I don't think. Well, Canterbury Tales. Oh, Canterbury. I was trying to think of that. Is that but look up Chaucer. Yeah. The hell's <laughs> there that? is something. You're right. Chaucer. Chaucer. Yeah. No end. Chaucer's fables. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Chaucer's fables. Knight's Tale, Wife of Bath's Tale, Flower in the Leaf. That's weird. I know Chaucer's Tales, but I don't know a single Chaucer's Chaucer. Fables. Chaucer's Fables. I don't know any of them. Canterbury Tales. I like the Arthurian legends. You oh, do? Sir, Sir Lancelot, Guinevere. Okay. Um, Are they fables? No, they're, <laughs> they're, just they're tales, I guess. Yeah. No, legend, legend, Arthurian oh. legend. <laughs> King Arthur and uh, Knights of the Round Table. That's all. That was it? Yeah. Bye. I'm going to try to find a fable I like, okay? Okay. Yeah. I don't like being taught a lesson. And you oh, know me. Oh, man. Uh, you know? I know it's exhausting. All righty. I love, love you. you.